The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Canceled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and IGN, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. That's all. That's all you need to know. That's all we got, baby. And uh, <laughs> nobody, this... get, nobody gets me. I'm the wind. <laughs> You're Michael Sarah in Twin Peaks The Return. <laughs> uh, everybody, thank you very, very much for joining us on this very special episode of Cancel Too Soon. Why is it special? Because this week we're recording directly in hell. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not in hell. We just sort of took a nice, good glimpse at it. Yeah. We we looked into Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids also looked into us. Every once in a while, Whitney and I, (laughs) as adult men in our late 30s and 40s, Yes. Uh, respectively. I guess that makes me in my early 40s. You're the earliest of 40s. The earliest of all of the 40s. Or the latest of possible 30s. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm past that now. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. every once in a while, Whitney and I take a look at ourselves and decide that we're, we're, our lives are too good. No, we're, we're too comfortable. That's we're when, becoming complacent. <laughs> that's when we whip out Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> <laughs> Hanna-Barbera has a reputation for entertaining children for many, many, many decades. But as we have discovered already on this program, and as we will continue to discover every single time we revisit them, I'm predicting it right now, the cats agree, Hanna-Barbera sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, here, okay, Hanna-Barbera was very, very popular because they knew how to make animation on TV, and that's it. Yeah. Like, they knew how to make cartoons fast. Before we were getting our cool cartoon shows from Japan, like, in, like importing, <laughs> like, Voltron and stuff like that, and, like, outsourcing cool animation to other places, mm-hmm. Hanna-Barbera was, we can make the cheapest animation imaginable, and we're gonna mm-hmm. get some really stupid ideas, and we're just gonna... Not even churn them out. Just sort of lazily chug them out. Well, and they were like at a breakneck pace because they had to produce 30 minutes of animation on a weekly basis. Oh, oh and they, but, like, and, but like hours of 30 minutes animation. But yeah, but, they, be, but they had like 30, 30 shows simultaneously. And one of their early, their first big hit was the Flintstones. Uh, and, as far as I know, yeah. And uh, their other big hit was from 1969. That was Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Uh, but the, the Jetsons, a, a few the, others around there. A few others around yeah. there. And uh, they were really revolutionary. They invented what, uh, we've said this before, but they've invented what was called limited animation. And that mm-hmm. is a type of animation where you only have to animate small bits of the image rather than the whole image. You look at somebody like Bugs Bunny, you're animating that character's entire body and all of his facial movements with every single frame. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. That's why animation for television was really, really difficult to pull off yeah. for many, many years. Because they, they thought that they had to 
cleave to a certain degree of quality. <laughs> Hanna-Barbera said, aha, fuck that noise. <laughs> Who said anything about quality? We can We're have a static to- image on the screen for most of the episode, and as long as occasionally it blinks and a head yeah. turns, it's technically animation. They You're st- technically entertained. They started designing these characters to be really kind of spare and blocky. They were all at three quarters, so they weren't... they. They could be looking off to the side or at the camera without having to turn their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, in fact, to this day, most animation characters are designed in three quarters. Yeah. Like, look at the Simpsons, for goodness sake. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they were able to animate just eyes or just a mouth, mm-hmm. maybe a hand. Occasional, occasional uh, movement. And a, wa- and a walk cycle had, like, five drawings. <laughs> yep, and they walked past the same buildings over and over yeah. and over again. Um, they didn't bother to clean the cells. You could see dirt and grit in every frame. Now, I want to make something abundantly clear here. When Whitney and I uh, mm. complain about Hanna-Barbera, uh, I respect their industriousness. I respect their capacity to make a business out of this, and I respect that for many, 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 many years, Hanna-Barbera was the place to go for children's entertainment, especially animated entertainment, Mm. uh, on television, and, uh, you know, they entertained a lot of people, but we didn't have a lot of options, so we didn't really know how bad it was, and when you watch it now, Mm. occasionally you'll see a fun episode, or or a fun idea, or a funny joke, uh, but a lot of it is just Saturday morning filler. When people used to complain or criticize things and refer to it as a Saturday morning cartoon, they weren't talking about the good stuff. <laughs> they were talking about Hannah Barbera's output. Yeah, they weren't talking about Robotech. They weren't even talking about the real Ghostbusters. They were talking about this crap. And <laughs> this particular crap. Because this is not only kind of bad Hanna-Barbera. This is like prototypical Hanna-Barbera. Like, if you want to show people this is almost every Hanna-Barbera show, this Mm. is where you're going to go. All all of the formulas are firmly in place. They're sleepwalking through it. They weirdly got a celebrity on the cast. Uh And it has name brand recognition, Mm. even though it has literally nothing to do with the name Mm. brand. This is... Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids? Fuck you <laughs> is my response so, to that. Uh, I, I discovered the we were looking through just like a list of Hanna Barbera shows, and this is just one we kind of staggered into. Well, we just like, we marveled at it because Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid uh-huh. is a great movie. It stars Paul Newman mm-hmm. and Robert Redford. It's about two real life uh, Wild West outlaws. It was written by the great William Goldman. Um, it's a wonderful film. Parts of it are sort of odd. They just had this weird tonal mismatch where they wanted to be kind of a cool uh, bandit action adventure thing, but also they wanted to have Burt Bacharach musical numbers. Mm-hmm. And 
boy, is it an odd watch in some regards, but it's alive and it's full of great characters and classic scenes. And it's, it really is a great motion picture, I would argue. Mm. And so they had more like spinoffs of that that most people remember. There was a prequel, whatever. But Butch and Sundance, the early days. Yeah. Better than the original, I'd say. But really? I'm, I'm no fan of the original. All right, fine. But uh, yeah, when we heard about Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids. Mm. There's we, no question mark. That's just that's just you. That's me. Quite. Every time I read it, I can't quite process that extra S. Every time I read that S, it goes up but at yeah, the end. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. We were like, how do they turn that into a cartoon show? And the answer is, they didn't. They just ripped off the title. Yeah, well, this because is, this is because B- Butch shows. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid were real people, so there's no copyright. They can do that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they uh, they took the name Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids and kind of reworked their really reliable, already been done several times formula that they I think they had innovated with Scooby Doo. Mm. Uh, and then that, and then and that there are four, reworked a bit with Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, a little bit of Josie. Yeah, the, the the whole there are innumerable shows from the Hanna Barbera canon about a group of four. Three or four, I guess. Mm, yeah. Teenage super sleuths who moonlight as a band. And they always have a wacky sidekick. Now, Like an animal sidekick. Now, the yeah. wackiness of the sidekick is on a sliding scale. <laughs> and it goes from the bottom, which is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, which mm. is a vaguely anthropomorphic dog. Not like Scooby-Doo where it can talk, but it emotes a little too much and it can understand mm. English. It walks upright occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get in the middle ground, you get the Scooby-Doos. Mm. You get the uh, uh, Funky Phantoms, which is a ghost. <laughs> okay, which is odd, uh-huh. but a ghost. I can wrap my head around that. And then somewhere towards the top, you get Jabberjaw, a giant shark that speaks like one of the Three Stooges and plays drums, or uh, uh, a, I'm, or Speed Buggy, a anthropomorphic car that talks like this. Oh, how do they do that? Oh my god, that hurts so much. Jesus. I can do a pretty good speed buggy. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Mine was terrible and it hurt my throat. Speed buggy, not to be confused with Wonderbug, the uh, the Sinner Marty Croft show, which yeah. was a live action version of the same thing. Not to be confused with Turbo Teen, a show mm. I'm still trying to track down in its entirety. Oh, well, Turbo Teen was a generation later. but yeah. I know, but I really want to do Turbo Teen. <laughs> Turbo Teen is mostly forgotten. It is, mm. But like, look it up. Like, Find a clip on YouTube of the transformation sequence. It's about a kid who transforms into a car, mm. and the transformation sequence looks... Cronenbergian. It's, it's really so free, horrifying. Yeah, like, like his, his body stretches and mutates. He it's turns into a car. It's so weird. But yeah, Butch Cassidy and then Skid. Well, I, I, it's, they're they're a, a band weird, and they solve crimes. You said it's a weird sliding scale. You could like rework any of the, the annoying animal sidekicks. All we know for, for definite sure is that Scrappy-Doo is on the very bottom. Well, that's quality. I'm talking about yeah. in scale of weirdness. Oh, well, yeah. When it comes to weirdness... Smart dog is way at the bottom. That's true. And speed buggy is near the top somewhere. Yeah, a, That's my a, point. Yeah, Scooby Doo, a little bit weirder, was Dino Mutt, who was essentially Scooby Doo, but he was also a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but Dino Mutt, Dino Mutt was the sidekick of a superhero, though. He was Blue yeah, Falcon's Blue Falcon's dog. Super, yeah, Blue Falcon. So, so it's not sidekick. quite the same thing. I've when I was watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, I'm just marveling at how this became. The formula. Not shows about kids' slews. That, I can wrap my head around. We had Mm. Nancy Drew, we had the Hardy Boys. Kids solving crimes. Perfectly fine. Mm. 
They're always underestimated. It's kind of this cool kid power thing where kids are smarter than the adults and they solve crimes and that, that, all that's great. I understand making a show about kids in a band mm-hmm. because bands are cool. You get to make cool music. People are <laughs> cheering get, your name. You you're get, popular. You get to be a rock star. Yeah, man. you're famous. You travel the world. I understand that fantasy. I don't understand why putting both of them together <laughs> was a tried and true formula. Like, like okay, so, so we're going to do so. They're, they're slews. Not good enough. Make them sing. Uh, like yeah, like a, a bunch of kids who were inducted into like the CIA, and that, mm-hmm. that's the premise of the show. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids work for some sort of shadowy government organization that is hiding behind the front of a talent agency. Yeah. Okay. You know what? This is maybe a good premise for like a, a kooky PG-rated kid flick. <laughs> I can yeah. see it. Okay, so, so like, and, and, and so a, it, ba- a band, yeah. because uh, this agency knows that a band is going to be traveling the world, eight, all, every, you know, everywhere, everywhere, go, go to all countries over the world, you would yeah. normally go to, yeah, and, and they're going to be doing that anyway. You may as well take advantage of their position to recruit them into your spy network. We recently saw well, this in the show Pan Am. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a, a conceit of Pan Am. The stewardesses are asked to go into other countries because they're flying everywhere and they do spy stuff. Exactly. I'm with you so, so far. So, you, you do this in a feature film? I'm okay. Even in yeah. the 70s, even today, it would work fine. It could be fine, yeah. Uh, it, it, but for some reason, it comes up, comes across as this weird mutated version of that idea, because they don't explore that origin. No, We're never. dropped into the middle of this. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids have already been working for this shadowy organization. We don't know what it is, and it's not run by the government, it's not run by people with a plot. It's run by essentially the magical loom from that movie Wanted. It's a giant it's, supercomputer. It's, a, it's an artificial intelligence that called gives, Mr. Socrates that gives them their assignments. Okay, so here's the yeah. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the origin of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids because let's run down the cast real fast, or at least the characters. So we've got Butch Cassidy, who again has nothing to do with Butch Cassidy the outlaw, although he does wear cowboy shirts. For the record, and this. Blows my mind. They're not a country band. <laughs> nope. How are you? How do you even they're do just, that? They're just like, a re- regular old rock band. You, for... But you dress like a country. Okay, fine. Uh-huh. So you got Butch Cassidy, generic hero. Yeah. Nothing of interest about them. He's handsome. He's popular. He's smart. Mm. Everything about him is groovy. D- Drac from the Drac Pack had way more character than this guy, and that's saying something. Okay, <laughs> you have uh, his second in command. I would argue, mm, Merrily. Merrily, yeah. uh, uh, she plays the tambourine, um, and uh, she's also the one who usually does the dressing up. In almost every episode, she gets she has to wear to, the disguise. Yeah, she gets to disguise herself as an old lady and like mm-hmm. sell flowers to distract the bad guys or whatever. That's usually her shtick. Uh, there is Steffi, who has no personality whatsoever, but occasionally mm-hmm. gets to do some sort of tech-based thing, like yeah. pick a lock or mm-hmm. make a fake remote control so that they can switch it out with the real remote control. And uh, then you for, have for the yeah. first episode, I thought that Steffi and Merrily were twins. Because they look and speak so similarly. Yeah. And and for, and I watched the first episode. It was really late at night. Like, this, this is a bad thing to start really late at night. Because you don't know what's reality at that point. And for a second, I entertained the notion that I had invented one of those characters. I, in this weird hallucinatory I, haze. I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. It took me several episodes to realize that Steffi was a character. 
<laughs> I, just, I just thought like she was a flaw. I thought she was a flaw in the animation. I thought she was like occasionally they just did it like a color swapped merrily, and she was just in the frame for some reason. But she had no dialogue and no reason to be there. So I thought it was a mistake. Yeah, yeah Hanna Barbera made all kinds of weird mistakes like oh, that. Tons, so, yeah. tons the, of animation. The, li- the lips don't match the words. The yeah. I'm gonna say this right now. Uh, Warner Archive has put out a very respectable mm. uh, burn on demand DVD of Butch Cassidy, and it looks nice. <laughs> Well, like they cleaned it up. It this looks, looks so nice. too nice. It looks so nice. You can see more flaws in the animation. Yeah, honestly, I think Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid maybe shouldn't be cleaned up. I think maybe maybe we we those allo- those resources could have been allocated somewhere else. <laughs> but whatever, it's cool to see it, and it's like nice popping colors, and that's well, really nice. Nice popping color. You can see like hand strokes and and finger mm-hmm. strokes. Uh, Butch Cassidy wears a ring. We'll get to the ring, but oh, yeah. uh, there are a lot of close ups of the ring, and you can tell that it's. A right-handed animator just sort of looking at his own left hand, because <laughs> like, because the the position of his hand is clearly just like a hand resting on a desk. And I never kind of like... no, I never noticed that, but you're totally right. Yeah, That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the final member of the of the crew uh, is Wally. Wally is the drummer. Uh, Wally is the only one who isn't good at anything. He basically makes a couple of terrible puns and hangs out with his dog Elvis, who is of course played by Frank Welker. Well, and who plays Wally? Mickey Dolan. Mickey Dolan's of yes. the monkeys. Mickey, they got Mickey Dolan's. Mickey Dolan's was available that Saturday to do all these episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, bless him. Bless him. He and tried. They, and on the second episode, he even gets to make a monkey's joke. Oh, that's right. There's something about monkeying around. I forgot yeah. about that. So, uh, my theory, and this is my backstory, because we don't see the backstory of Butch Cassidy's mm-hmm. Nonsense Kids. Hanna-Barbera gave no shits about backstory. <laughs> None whatsoever. Uh-huh. They didn't care. And they didn't think anyone would care. Um, my theory is because there's two possibilities. Either it's a band that got inducted into this CIA secret mm-hmm. organization um, because they were already a popular band, which I don't buy. They have all these specialties. It doesn't make any sense. Or they were spies who they turned into a pop sensation, not unlike like a corporation helped make the Spice Girls. Okay. You know? So my theory is this. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids was very particularly built by Mr. Socrates, the giant computer, mm. because Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was a huge hit. We're like, okay, fine. People like that movie. We're going to take that name. We're going to make a band out of it. It's going to be the most generic band possible, but they're so, all really hunky. Hang on. Let so me finish. they were created by like a computer algorithm. They were, comp- yeah. they were created by a computer algorithm f- as identities for the spies they already had working in the organization. However... Mm-hmm. On their very first mission, their drummer was killed by, by, by an enemy agent, and they had to find one on the fly, and that's how they got Wally and Elvis. And Wally just got kind of dragged into this thing, and that's why he's a coward who's no good at anything. He, he doesn't even have the personality of Shaggy, and he's the Shaggy role. Oh, yeah. So we have, we have Shaggy and Scooby, because we have sort of like the, the coward and his funny dog. Yeah. And then we have, t- like, essentially three Freds. Well, the, <laughs> A Fred and two Daphnes. A Fred and two Daphnes. There's no Velma, unfortunately. I wish. My God. Uh, we, I'd yeah, kill we have, for a Velma. We, we have a Fred, we have a Daphne, and we have a less interesting Daphne. <laughs> and there's some implications that 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 uh, that Butch and Merrily like might be dating. Like there's one episode where Merrily gets really jealous, super when he, mega jealous of when, some when, other when hot he, uh, secret starts agent, flirting with another agent. Yeah. But they they are never courting. And there was one episode where. Uh, Wally and Steffi were at like lunch with a British guy. 
because the, the oh, episode yeah. was in London. And uh, Marilee and Butch were off, like, doing some sort of scuba mission. But the way Wally was talking about it, it's like, oh, yeah, they'll, they're back in the room. They'll be here any minute. They're fucking. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's like, that's the subtext. Like, you can tell Mickey totally Dolan's good. added that subtext. Oh, he was well, just like, you know, like, let me put a little stank on that. Yeah. They're yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear the outtakes reel of Mickey Dolan's voice sessions. Oh, my like, God. What, what is that? When Mickey Dolan's is. You know, he he wasn't just in the monkeys. He's a child actor. He was oh, yeah. in a he was in a sitcom called Circus Boy. So he's been in show business for a long time. At and this he was point. funny. He's, he's hilarious. A funny man. He's yeah. a he's yeah. I, I I call I call him the Groucho of the monkeys. You know, he's like the sort yeah. of maybe the, not the crazy one. Maybe not the leader of the group, but yeah, the funniest of of yeah. the group. And I I don't know why they didn't let him be Mickey Dolan's. They had to have him play Wally. So he put on a funny voice. Yeah. Had him just say that the lamest possible non jokes. They're not even. It's not even humor. Yeah, it's just sort of. I um, I'm trying to think of like an example, and I can't think of a good one because there are no good ones. But uh, <laughs> it's just like, oh, we got a Elvis the dog is is here. Well, this place is going to the dogs, and then you'd have that Hanna Barbera laugh track. Oh, I, God. I love the Hanna-Barbera laugh track because it's the worst laugh track ever. It, a, and I've discussed uh, this before, uh, but I, it all, I always imagine like people are in the room with the animators. <laughs> like, I'm like, not watching it during recording. the table read or something. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the table read, just like as they're drawing the frames. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's going to be funny. <laughs> well, the, but like, the, it the, always, uh, it, it's the same recording of laughter every single time. Mm. And I feel like they just fade at, in and out at slightly different bits. Mm. But you never get a sense of anyone actually laughing. There's no clear laughter in it it's just this general crowd well, noise it's, it's, yeah. that just comes in and randomly because it's this weird soupy miasma of laughter they used it a lot in scooby-doo mm. uh, they used it in the flintstones yeah the exact same canned laughter and by the time this came out in 1973 uh scooby-doo was 1969 so by mm. the time they they got here i think the tape had worn out a little bit <laughs> Like, the tape had been stretched. It sounded a little warped, and yeah. we only ever heard that laugh after uh, some mugging by Elvis. Yeah, it's weird. They would tell like a none joke. Of the, none of the, the jokes joke... would get a laugh, yeah. but Elvis would get the laugh. It's it's never funny that something allegedly funny happening. It's funny that a dog laughed mm. at something that wasn't funny. But So the, the dog would, like, somebody said something non-funny. The dog would, like, go, and do the big eyes. And then we'd hear this noise that sounded like somebody shaking a, a drawer full of cutlery. Like, it was this really... <laughs> It, I, it I was really almost mechanical. Well, let's, yeah. see, let's see if we can do it. Let's give it a try. Yeah. Okay, well, like, like, go, go get your silverware drawer and shake it a little bit. And that's kind of what it sounds I'm gonna, like. I'm going to try this. This is live. <laughs> We're going to do Foley on Council Too Soon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's like this weird, it, almost mechanical rumbling noise. That, I don't know how well that got picked up, the, but I hope it, it, it was almost abstract, the use of the, the laugh track. It became this weird metaphysical version well, of laughter. Because we know it's not live. We It's weird that we have a laugh track in it. <laughs> Why are we watching this, this with a an, crowd? This is animated is? before a live studio audience. It's, just, it's Hanna-Barbera knowing that their shit isn't funny. Mm. <laughs> just like, but if we make them, if we play laughter, mm. they might think it's funny mm. and we'll get away with it. <laughs> Or maybe they'll think there's something wrong with them because they're not laughing, and then really it's their problem, not ours. I don't know. So, so they put in the laugh track to make the audience feel guilt. Is I what think you're that's saying. probably the case. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
<laughs> a typical episode of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. Oh, real, 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 real fast. Oh, and uh, also uh, one, yeah. one more, uh, one more conceit about the plot is uh, right. Butch's ring. Oh, well, they, yeah. they have spy stuff. Yeah, they have, they have, they have their own so plane. They, they have their yeah, own fancy they have a pl- transforming a plane, car. a helicopter. They have a transforming car, and they communicate with Mister Socrates via like a high tech ring, kind of like uh, Dick Tracy's two way wrist radio. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it just opens up, and he can talk to Socr- uh, Mister Socrates. And Mister Socrates, even through the ring, is allergic to Elvis. Now let me get. Let me just back this up in case you're not following along. Mm. Mr. Socrates is a computer, and he's one of those like big ticker tape computers. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's the size of a room. It's it's like Zordon. There's from, a there's a scene in Apollo Rangers. thirteen. It's a great scene in Apollo thirteen because it really just shows you like how what they were working with at the time at NASA. Mm-hmm. They have a computer the size of you know the biggest house you've ever seen, mm-hmm. and they say yes, this computer, this computer, it's only forty meters long. Uh. <laughs> and uh, we can process hundreds of pieces of information at the same time. Like, my wristwatch is more powerful than what NASA had. Mm. So that's Mr. Socrates, a big room of lights blinking out of sequence and, like, c- puncture cards, you know? like uh, <laughs> punch, yeah. Whatever you call well, them. Magnet- uh, punch cards. Punch and, cards, and, thank and, you. And magnetic tape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it is an artificial intelligence that is allergic to dogs. So whenever they go in to see Mr. Socrates, which is the always the first scene of every episode. No, first scene they're doing something kind of adventurous that Mr. Socrates interrupts. Scuba diving, mm, flying around, something. something. Like and then Mr. Socrates Scum. interrupts them, and then they fly in to see Mr. Socrates. They get on the conveyor belt to see Mr. Socrates, and they always say, no, Elvis, you can't come in here because Mr. Socrates is allergic to dogs. Then yeah, Mr. Which, Socrates, they ha- which they have to reiterate in every episode. Every single episode. They go in, they find out their mission. Someone's going to steal this gold. Someone's going to steal this pearl. Someone's going to steal this jade. Someone's going to steal this diamond. Those are all real, and there's only 13 episodes. They had no ideas. (laughs) And then at the end of the scene... Helvis would somehow find his way into the room, and Mr. Socrates would sneeze. And then, later on in the episode, when Mr. Socrates was talking to them through the ring, Elvis would lean into the ring, and Mr. Socrates would sneeze, and it would physically affect Elvis. Like, his ears would fly back, like wind hit him. So this is a weirdly sophisticated computer. Sure. <laughs> I hear Apple is working on the sneeze technology for the iPhone 12. Until your ring can sneeze on you, it's not smart enough. Yeah. Anyway, this aired on NBC from September 8th, 1973 through December 1st, 1973. It was produced by Hanna Barbera because, of course, it was. Uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, and, uh, I'll say and, this for Hanna Barbera. Yeah. When, when uh, the Cartoon Network started up in the mid 90s, yeah. they, they had to just sort of fill time. So they that was a time for them to regurgitate all of their garbage. Oh yeah, you could see you every Hanna Barbera cartoon see this. ever. Uh, I learned about Moby Dick that way. Oh, I forgot about not Moby not Dick. not the book Moby Dick by Herman Melville, which I've read and is great. Oh, I forgot about that. No, Moby Dick the Hanna Barbera cartoon where two young boys, scuba diving boys, who are always on underwater, stopped crimes with Moby Dick the whale. Oh, yes. That was their idea. That was the shtick. I'm surprised then, they didn't have a band. And. They this was like the mid '90s. Everything was really ironic at the time, so they decided to regurgitate some of their characters ironically. Mm-hmm. Hence, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, mm-hmm. Harvey uh, Birdman, yeah, Harvey Birdman. Law. Yeah, so a lot of these completely forgotten characters, which they recognized were crap, showed up on these shows in comedy roles. Yeah, and as themselves, like the original yeah. versions of it. And uh, one of the great popular shows of that era was C Lab. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, 2021? Sea Lab 2021. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, and a lot of the Hanna-Barbera characters would show up on there. And Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids did show up on that show. So this sounds vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. That's probably what you're you thinking were watching, You were watching Sea Lab while blitzed out of your mind in the middle of the night. So a typical... No, ep- nobody ever watched those shows sober, did they? I can't imagine. <laughs> like, it's like... Th- that's Aqua- the Aqua Force was not... <laughs> that show is just insanity. One of the worst and most surreal experiences I've ever had mm-hmm. in a movie theater was watching the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters uh-huh. sober. In yeah. a theater. It's mm-hmm. so oppressive. <laughs> it's Yeah, it, like... I'm not saying it's, it wasn't it's, funny, but it's like Aquatine it's, Hunger Force is meant funny. to be absorbed in five minute chunks. It's, it's funny and it's intolerable at the same time. Like, yeah. it's an unwatchable film, and yet it's really amusing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's bad, but mm. man, is it weird. Um, and the other person I wanted to give credit for because it's also produced by uh, mm. a, a producer and uh, art designer, uh, Iwao Takamoto. Okay. Uh, he worked on a lot of animated shows like Super Friends or Challenge of the GoBots, but he also co-directed one feature film, and the feature film is great. It's the 1970s animated Charlotte's Web. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's a All great right. movie. Yeah, that is a good movie. Yeah, I, rock solid. I, I haven't seen it for a long time. But yeah, it's, it's really yeah. good adaptation. It's, just, it's a good film. It's, it's got some limited animation, but it's a beautifully told story, and it's mm-hmm. told well in that medium. So I just want to give him some credit. Okay. Because we're about to talk a lot of crap about a show. <laughs> so yeah, the typical episode, uh, the kids are doing something vaguely adventurous, they get called into Mr. Socrates, they go to some faraway land, often it's somewhat racist, and... Uh, uh, sometimes it's a real country, often it's not. Yeah, Mulgravia or some other, yeah, like, the, you know, the, the, but basically any of the fictional countries where a handsome prince lives in a Hallmark movie, like, they would go there, but it's the Cold War, so it's fascist. In fact, the very first episode of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids has the exact same plot line as the Val Kilmer comedy Top Secret. <laughs> Which is one of the best movies ever made. But, best uh, comedies, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, well, they have to sneak a, a scientist out of the country. Yeah, they go to a they go to a fascist country uh, where they're celebrities, but rock and roll has been outlawed in this country, so they're being like mm. watched very, very carefully. A bunch of bad guys, and they have to find the resistance and the underground, and they have to like fly the guy over enemy lines. And um, look, the, the closest this show ever gets to having a halfway decent plot line mm. because it's at least you know. Stuff happens, stuff gets well, twists and here's, reversals. Here's and, the weird thing. The the plots in every episode are weirdly intricate. Like, not that not that there's a lot of interesting things happening, but a lot is happening. Uh, and there's a lot of weird twists that are difficult to follow in a lot of episodes. Yeah. So, you know, in the episode where they're trying to steal a gigantic jade statue and they have to look for clues and they, they have to go to the shipyards and meet somebody on the docks and it... it doesn't have any kind of logical progression, but they're trying to cram a lot of incident into this. Well, one thing that Hanna Barbera did a lot, and we mm-hmm. uh, ran into this when we reviewed The Thing a few months ago, mm-hmm. um, was they would do like half episodes. So, like, The Thing mm-hmm. TV show would actually be two short thing stories. And then later on, they could take half of an episode of The Thing and put it next to half of an episode of the Fred and Barney Fun Time Flower Hour, whatever the hell they were doing. And then they could create a whole new show out of it. Uh-huh. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids is always a half hour. Mm. And I'm telling you, they did not have enough material for it, so they just threw in stuff. Mm. But the stuff they threw in, it's the same stuff every episode. The 
actual plot might change slightly, but it always is. They get their assignment. They go to this country. They make some terrible jokes. There's some sort of reason why they have to perform a new song, mm-hmm. and that song is usually a distraction so they can do something from uh, while the bad guys aren't looking, mm-hmm. or well, vice there, versa. There, there was only one kind of clever uh, reversal of that when... Uh, Rather than them pulling the distraction with their song, the bad guys were using it as cover for their crime. Yes. But of course, Butch Cassidy and those kids knew what they were doing. Mm. And they planned. No, they they figured it out after the fact. Oh, I'm thinking about the one with the uh, the hidden uh, anti-gravity ray. I was thinking of the the one with the fireworks, because they were blowing blowing stuff up and timing it to their... They said they were timing it to our fireworks, but they didn't have fireworks. That was the China episode. Ah, yes. Or I guess it was Hong Kong. Uh, it was Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. it was Hong Kong. Which, yeah. which was its own country in the 70s. Uh, it was its own thing. It was, a, it was like a principality, wasn't it? Uh, it? It was its own, okay. own yeah, territory. All right, anyway. So the first episode is a scientist. They rescue a scientist. Mm. Second episode is the counterfeiters. In this one, they encounter some counterfeiters. <laughs> uh, hey, I made a funny. That's it's, funnier than anything on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. That one takes place in Latvania. Yes. Latvia is a country. They could have yes. just gone to Latvia. <laughs> I, I always loved one of the things Stan Lee said he was most proud of creating was Latveria because it sounded like a real country. Oh, did it? Yeah. <laughs> Stan, you're fooling yourself. <laughs> I, there was a time in my life where I thought Latveria was a real place. I'm sorry you were a sucker. I was four. <laughs> okay. Cut me some slack. No, I've, I've said before, one, one of my biggest pet peeves is when they make up countries for movies and TV. I've looked at a map, all right? <laughs> I've seen a globe. Sometimes they don't want to slander a country. Yeah, I, um, I understand, but slander away. Give us, give me a real country, please. So this is one where like the baron of this country is mm. like planning to counterfeit twenty dollar bills and, and, and American money because his country isn't doing great. But he's also like this rich motorcycle celebrity. Something Remember like that? that? Yeah. And then he then he did some stuff, and mm. then they stopped him. Look, uh, watching all of these movies, like mainlining Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, is a, a soul deadening experience. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because it, it's all bad. There's no laughter. The the and they're all plus, the same. They're I'm all sorry. The, they're all the same, but they drag in this weird sort of way. It becomes really nightmarish. I started to feel kind of sick after a while. Mm-hmm. I watched three straight hours of this damn thing. Oh yeah, it really hurt. It, it's not. It's not easy what we do. I'm going to say this right now. If you think this show sounds easy, try it. And I was I was trying to grab onto something, like something to talk about, something to criticize, and there's really not a lot. Well, I just want to I just kind of want to burn through the episodes because there's not a lot to discuss them. But I do want to I do want to prove that we did our work. You okay. Know, like, yeah. You know, like when you're taking a math test in junior high mm. and you know enough of the math that you can do it in your head. Mm. But you do have to show your work anyway, so you got to do the long right, division. Right, right. Like I know that I nine just, goes into eighty-one. I can, just write, I can just write down this answer. But I, I memorize that. that I, uh... Yeah. <laughs> someone I saw on an online one. Someone put a, a kid's thing with some. Um, mm. uh, it was like show your work or show your thought process as you mm. come up with this math problem, and they just kid just drew like themselves at a thought bubble that was just nine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of it. Yeah. That's my process. It's not complicated. Um, Came from Plato's realm of ideas. All right. So the second episode, they stop some counterfeiters. Mm. Third episode, they deal with pirates. And I remember nothing about this episode. The next mm. episode. They, they, they were on a cruise ship. That was that was just a setting. On a all right. The next ship. episode is Double Trouble, in which they go to. This is the one where they go to, I think, India or well, some it's, India it's, adjacent country. It's, a, it's fake India, but it's India. But yeah. it's like. 
Turns out the young prince of this country mm-hmm. uh, is a huge rock and roll enthusiast, and they send Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids to protect the kid but, uh, from the a kid. plot to swap him out, Man in the Iron Mask style, mm-hmm. with another lookalike uh, that will then take over the country and, I don't know, give it to Soviet Russia. I don't know. No, well, don't know. Th- it was to smuggle something into the country. Of I course think. it yeah, was. It was. Like, oh, drop sanctions or something. The, the only uh, vaguely interesting thing about this is that it ends with uh, them proving that this can't be the real prince because he doesn't know rock and roll trivia. So well, they no, just, nobody in the country does because rock and roll is illegal, but somehow the prince has access. Well, because he's the prince. Who cares? So, so, like, so, they, so they say, you know, okay, who's the drummer for the Beatles and the Fake Prince like, uh... And, and, he's like, and then he very cleverly says it's either Paul McCartney or George Harrison. Which one is it? Yes. And then they ask the real Prince, okay, uh, who wrote Alice's Restaurant? Arlo oh. Guthrie. And I'm like, oh, it's actually yeah, that's a good one. And then Joni Mitchell, I think, was one of them of as course, well. Of course, here's the thing. If nobody has access to, to rock and roll knowledge... They could, they could all just be making that stuff up. <laughs> yeah, but... They don't know what Alice's... They might not know what Alice's Restaurant is or who Arlo Guthrie is. So... That proves but, nothing to but, the citizens. Well, okay, yeah. We're just <laughs> taking Butch Cassidy's word for it, I guess. Yeah. Wall- right, well, it was Wally's word for it. Wally oh, was the one giving the quiz. Well, that was Wally finally proves like he's finally good at something. Again, that's my theory. He's the only real musician. <laughs> he's the only one. He was a real musician who got like swept up into this on the fly because they desperately needed a drummer well, in their very first mission, and now he knows all their secrets. And he, if he leaves, they have to kill him. I so love, they have to- I love this notion that even a band of spies is looking for a drummer. <laughs> like they had to put out a want ad or something. There's a bulletin board by a record store. Oh, CIA near- seeks drummer for gigs. All right, uh, the next episode. Episode. Stolen pearls. It's about uh, they steal a bunch of pearls. Well, stealing a bunch of oysters. This is the is it Japan episode? No, this one's in Honolulu. Oh, Honolulu episode. Yeah, yeah. There's, Wait, there's I think a, we have a Japan episode in a bit, yeah. but this is the Honolulu episode. Honolulu, okay, yeah. This is the one. I think this is the one. There's one episode I actually kind of liked because they often have to cozy up to the bad guy. Mm. And uh, sort of use their celebrity as sort of a shield, and like, oh, we're just ditzy musicians, ah! and pre- pretend to be rehearsing to throw off you know guards who they know are spying on them. Exactly. So Butch and Merrily are off scuba diving, trying to like find where the missing pearls are, mm. and they've left Wally and. Tiff, Tiffy, Steffi, 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 Tiffy. I wanted, I wanted to say Miffy, but uh, <laughs> Miffy the umpire flare. But uh, so they're stuck at like a really awkward dinner with the bad guy who's stealing all the pearls, and it's just Wally trying to make small talk, telling dumb jokes, mm. and he's and the bad guy just hates Wally so much he actually earned my sympathy. Well, and <laughs> Wally he actually shoots back. It's like oh. Um, What's wrong? Don't you have a sense of humor? Well, I see you don't. Like, we had a, 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 this rare, rare moment of sarcasm. Of self-awareness. Yeah. So the show knows what they're doing. Anyway, uh, so in the next episode, so we had uh, uh, the pearl smuggling ring. Mm-hmm. Now we have the gold smuggling ring. And this is just like the David Mamet movie Heist. Is it? <laughs> well, okay, this actually has a bit of a clever conceit because uh, the gold is being smuggled inside uh, wax celebrity statues mm. in a wax museum. You're right. Because the, the wax statues are, and this is true, are made of plaster of Paris and only the outside is made of wax. They're not solid wax. Yeah. Otherwise they'd fall over. So exactly, um, yeah. so rather than have them be wax statues, they just paint 
formed the gold into those statues and painted them and hid them in a wax museum. That's kind of clever. I, the weight would be obvious, but other than that, it's yeah, pretty But clever. if it's, it's just a clever. statue, you know, nobody knows. You're looking at all clever. the gold. All right, the next episode is about diamond smugglers. This one's basically the plot of Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Yes, it is. Except for without the living cars. So Butch Cassidy has to go on like a cross-country road race in Europe with a guy who's smuggling diamonds in a car. And it's Italy. This is like Italian episode. I, I want to say it's I think it's Italy and France. I think they go to a couple oh, other okay. countries. And, those ones. and then the next episode. Okay, so again, just to be clear, mm. we've had pearl thieves. Next episode, gold thieves. Next episode, diamond thieves. We, we get, now we have jade thieves. Mm-hmm. So in this one, they're stealing a jade statue. It's a big one, too. Mm-hmm. And this is a heist worthy of Carmen Sandiego because it's like a three-ton statue and they have to hide it somewhere. Yeah. And I like that they had to, like, build a special ship with an underwater compartment that you can't see and it looks like an old-timey ship. That one's kind of fun, too. I'm really, really glad this one did it for you. Okay, the next uh, episode... It, it didn't. It did nothing for me. I just think that they at least had an idea okay, that next, you might see in something good. The next episode, they ran out of precious minerals, so they decided that they have to steal <laughs> an anti-gravity gun that um, basically... It basically is the anti-gravity gun from Half-Life 2. Mm. Which Whitney doesn't know because he doesn't play video games. I, I, I don't know. It's what a that gun. Is. You shoot it at things. The thing lifts up like it doesn't weigh nothing. Yeah, it's that's you, you that's shoot all it at a person and they they just sort of float for a little. bit. Which admittedly would be quite a thing. Mm. We'd yeah. be pretty useful. And and it's it's a German toy. Like it was introduced at a toy fair. Yeah, because that's what you want to give your kids something that just floats heavy objects. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, the car floated away. Hey, that would be a really hot Christmas item. <laughs> Until everybody died. Of course. All right. The next episode is the, the Orient. The ionosphere is cluttered up with parents. The next episode is the Orient Express. And this mm. one, they have to take the Orient Express. It's a thing. Um, and oh, also in this I episode. I don't remember this one at all. In this episode, I think it's the, this, this episode, Mr. Socrates mm. is reprogrammed by enemy agents. Oh, yeah. And I they know. That now. And they realize that Mr. Socrates is an enemy agent, is, is now like turned on them because he's no longer allergic to dogs. Uh-huh. So you can actually what you can program his allergy out of. I mean, he doesn't have. Why don't you just do that anyway? Is, is goodness related to dog allergies in this universe? Like, if you're a good person, you have a dog allergy. I think it was one of those things where you have to respect the life you created, kind of like the hologram on on Star Trek Voyager. Like oh. We just turned on the hologram, and all of a sudden, it has this personality. And is it alive? Well, we don't know, but we have to treat it like it's alive. Wait a minute, I guess it is kind of alive, huh? Now it has like interests and personality and emotions and of its own. Yeah. And, yeah. And sure, we can go in, and there's like several episodes. Yeah, we could break into the computer system and just change his personality. We can do that, right? It's just a hologram. Mm-hmm. But then they say, but we need to respect this life that we kind of created by accident. I will say this. So, Mr. Socrates was played by Robert Picardo. I would have liked it a lot better. Uh, he was too young, but yeah. Oh, he would have done it. All right, moving on. <laughs> he was like a teenager in 1970s. And he would have done it. He probably, yeah, he was probably yeah. in school plays at that point. Yeah, he was, he was an actor at a young age. Um, <laughs> all right, the next episode is The Parrot Caper. And in this one, they have to transport a parrot from one place to another uh, because it has half of a nuclear formula. And another parrot has the other half. And they're only going to reveal the whole formula when they're when, together. When they meet each other. Also, the parrot is afraid of heights, so they have trouble flying at places. Also, the formula is in Japanese. Oh, yeah, that's the big twist. Mm. 
it, it, it has no bearing on anything. Just oh, the no, formula it's not, is in it's Japanese. Not like the, it's not like the bad guys get it, and now it's like, oh, now we have the formula. And the formula's in Japanese, but we don't speak Japanese, mm-hmm. and we don't have time to find a translator because Butch Cassidy mm-hmm. Sundance kids are here. And, and that gives them time to get Curses the Curses spoiled again. That would have made no. sense, but they didn't do that. It's oh, just this dumb reveal. Uh, I love Frank Welker's parrot voice. He's got a great parrot voice. <laughs> okay. Is there any animal Frank Welker can't do well? Is he just like, listen, um, all credit to Frank Welker, but his sea lion is crap. His mandrill kind of stinks. Because <laughs> he played the mandrill in that really horrible Mr. Magoo movie, and it sounded like just, it was the same as his gorilla. So that's a real was, answer. That's not you just picking a random funny animal name. No. You're literally calling he, it. He played, a, he played a mandrill in Mr. Magoo, and it was kind of a substandard mandrill. <laughs> My apologies to Frank Welker. Okay, my new work on your mandrel. My new band name is the Substandard Mandrels. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best band. T-shirt we did design. We came up with like a hundred. <laughs> Fake, fake band names, and that's the best fake band name I've ever heard. The Substandard Mandrill. I am writing it down because that is a beautiful thing. Mm. The Substandard. He'll go with our Subist T-shirt. Ah, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the next episode is the Super Sub, mm. and in this one, there's a Super Sub. It's a hijacked submarine. I have no memory of this whatsoever. It has three drills in the bottom, and it's enormous, and I don't really recall what the drills were supposed to be used for. They drilled into the ocean floor, and at one point they made fake drills into the ocean floor so they could find... Like no throw memory. people off and no idea skip. what the fuck you're talking okay. about. You've seen Thunderball, right? Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, remember the climax, which is like 30 minutes, but it feels like eight hours because everybody's in slow motion and there's no dialogue and it's all underwater. Yeah, uh, there are several underwater scenes throughout the course of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with limited animation, characters that don't have unique movements, and you rob them of their silhouettes, and they're all wearing scuba suits. And you can't see their lips, so you don't know who's speaking. Everything becomes like weirdly philosophically meaningless. <laughs> it's like you're just watching, <laughs> like you're you're just being at that point. <laughs> it's like you could turn the TV off and somehow see more. <laughs> I think that's true for a lot of Hanna Barbera shows. <laughs> yeah. All right, and uh, all right. In the last episode, thirteen episodes, thirteen mm. episodes of this, and, and uh, they just gave up and said, "Fuck it, we're Scooby Doo now." Yeah, they go to a haunted castle. Wally inherits a haunted castle or something. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, they think it's haunted, and there's like a there's like a fake ghost dog mm. who's not a samurai. And <laughs> God, that made you laugh. Wow. We are easy marks. When your I, sense of humor is lowered I, I was, by watching Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kids, anything don't, will work. Don't, don't make a ghost dog reference while I'm drinking, please. <laughs> anyway, they, they find jewels um, and they give it back to the Scots. That's, that's right, it. That's, that's right, all we got. Oh, yeah, and it's in Scotland. So I guess Wally is Scottish? I, Wallace. His descents are Scottish. It'd be Wallace. His name would be Wallace. Sure. Maybe maybe descended from William Wallace. Fine. <laughs> Whatever you say. And well, I'll, I'll go with anything at this point. Mm. And that's thirteen episodes of this thing. Uh huh. If uh, it had lasted a hundred episodes, I would have gouged my eyes out <laughs> with whatever is available. Well, here's to the me. thing. It kind of did because that's all Hanna Barbera did was kind of repurpose a lot of things, mm-hmm. re- reuse a lot of designs, reuse stories. We kind of already have about a thousand episodes of this show, if you count all of the shows that it resembles. Yeah, it just, Funky Phantom got a makeover. 
Yeah. And yeah. then got to make over his Jabberjaw, mm-hmm. then got to make over his Casper and the Angels, and got to make over it. <laughs> uh, they're all the same shtick. Wait, what's Casper and the Angels? Casper and the Angels, okay, it doesn't actually fit the formula. There is an uh, there's a short-lived show, and I'm trying to find all of it. I've only found a couple episodes mm-hmm. online. Casper the Friendly Ghost. Okay. Oh, well, that's the not... wimpiest, the wimpiest of all cartoons. Casper the Friendly Ghost has been assigned to be the guardian angel mm. of two space cops modeled after Laverne and Shirley. Oh, uh, that one. And he has like an uncle yeah. named Scary or like yeah, Scary Harry yeah, yeah, or something. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every once in a while they would just do something random, like just throw Gilligan's Island in mm. space. Like the, the professor can't build them a boat, but he can build them a spacecraft mm. out of coconuts. And they get lost in space because of course they mm. do. But that that's not uh, Hanna Barbera. That's that wasn't Hanna Barbera. Um, that's uh, Famous Studios. Did, uh, did yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Mm. I stand corrected. <laughs> I am. I, mean, I am once again. Like, Ca- Casper had. Well, I don't want to get into Casper at this point. Yeah, maybe not. Ca- Casper had had a, a little something like some humor going on. Like some, did it. Did it really? The same way, like Chili Willy did. Like there were at least did Chili Willy have? He- I remember they had, Chili they Willy. They had things that were like kid versions of jokes. Like they wouldn't make you laugh, but they kind of gave you good ideas what a joke was supposed to look like. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids <laughs> was like the cynical, distant echo of what a joke once was. Like one is set up. One is like a long dead corpse. Uh huh. Mm. I'm trying to. I'm and trying strangely to, enough, the one with the long dead corpse is. The, here's not what the I want to. Here's what about. I want to do. Here's what, mm. with you. Here's what I want to do. I want to come up with mm. some other Hanna Barbera shows that are name only series oh, based on other okay. films. Hmm. Okay. Um, so the Exorcists. So what happens is it's a <laughs> it's a group of teen priests in a Christian rock band, uh, and they solve mysteries that are not related to anything supernatural because that's a little controversial. Oh, so, so, so they're, they're spies. They're, they're no, they're 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 debunking spiritualists. So this is the Scooby Doo yeah. thing. The early yeah. days of Scooby Doo, when the whole point was there is nothing supernatural in the world. Mm. All the evils in the world are created by by rich white people. E- evil, yeah, evil yeah. rich men. Yeah, or or bitter people who had lost their fortunes. Yeah, back when Scooby Doo yeah. actually had something resembling okay. an ethos. The Straw Dogs. Oh God! It's- okay, no, no, I'm, I'm vetoing this right now. This was a mistake. This was a mistake. And I apologize to all of you. We're moving on. The Straw Dogs. We're moving on. Anthropomorphic dogs in a band. And uh, they're kind of like hayseeds. They're like in a hillbilly band. Okay. And they get in wacky shenanigans. Okay, I'm so glad. And they're being chased by some, like, rich guy in a top hat who hates them for some reason. Okay, you know what? Fine, that's actually a good pitch. <laughs> I was really worried. Fine, fine. Frank that. Welker, are you free? I'm always free! How much coffee have you had today? How much is there? <laughs> Frank Welker, why are you in the studio? I don't know. Got a job for me? Well, of course we do. Can you do a good curly? Sure. Yes, I can do a good curly. Okay, you're a shark. Whatever! <laughs> I'm down! Hmm... Frank Welker played Fred in the original Scooby-Doo. Uh, yeah, he is yeah, a class yeah. act. I admire that guy to no oh, end. We have nothing but respect yeah. for Frank Welker. All the <laughs> voice not, actors. I am not mocking Frank Welker. And honestly, all the animators, they probably, you know, mm-hmm. they, they've worked on good stuff too, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. that's the thing. It just, this was the type of show that was churned out. Mm-hmm. There really wasn't a lot to it. There's not a lot of creativity to it. I, I actually, like, I weep when I think of the writer's room. 
for a show like oh, this because no. it's so rigidly structured and it's so terrible and they know it's terrible because they're well, adults. And, and they're under pressure to do it in yeah. a really limited time frame. Yeah, and you can't do anything too crazy or inventive because yeah. we don't have the money to animate most of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd think animation would be so freeing you could do anything. Well, not if you can only afford to animate one third of the frames in an episode. <laughs> there was a while there um, when studios were really careful to retain all of their cells. Yeah. Because in the early days of animation, those cells were expensive, so they would animate it, they would photograph it, and then they would clean the drawing off and use the cell again. Yeah. And in... In essence, you're like erasing the original master. It's like you, uh, once it's photographed, that's all you really needed. You know, erase it. So a lot of people are kind of people who collect animation memorabilia and are fans of those things really wince when they think, "Oh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, these wonderful pieces of art that these animations animators put together mm-hmm. are now just gone because they erased them immediately." They were considered. The they were considered just mm-hmm. you know fodder. There was uh, just like there was now, just runoff, industrial runoff. Yeah. They're retaining cells from this era. They're keeping all those drawings. If that's the case, why are the f- the cells always so freaking filthy? <laughs> like they, they were photographing in a dusty studio. The f- cells were clearly warped because, and you can tell this with the DVD, they were kind of bowing toward the camera. They were in focus, but you could see the shadow under the drawing. Oh, wow. The shadow Good between catch. the drawing and the background. Good catch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could see like seams and like. When well, I like it when you they could would almost like, see like the edge of the cell as they were sliding things there's along. There's like one yeah. episode where they're like in an underground cavern and in the back of the cavern, you'd see like scary eyes, like bad eyes or yeah, whatever yeah. it was. And the bad eyes would blink. So they were an active piece of animation. They weren't part of the background painted in, mm. but they didn't bother to put the bad eyes in the background of the protagonist so the protagonist would walk in front of the bad eyes and the bad eyes would still be in front of yeah, them. They walk in between the, the bat and the eyes. Yeah, which is just really, really funny and hilarious. Uh, funnier than the show. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids was it. Cancelled too soon. Uh, well, you know, I get... No, no, no. I this this was fine. <laughs> I needed thirty seconds of this, and I got thirteen episodes. We got you got uh, you watch one episode yeah. of this, and you've seen every Hanna Barbera show. Here's my theory: We can do. You know, they did like live action Scooby Doo. They did live action Flintstones. Yeah. Is there like a Christopher Nolanized version? <laughs> Live action version of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids that no. you could do about a band that gets like inducted into this shadowy spy uh, organization. I'm, I'm going to say uh, Christopher Nolan. Mm. No, I can't. I can't picture mm. that. However, well, I mean, Lord Miller could do it, but no, Lord no, no, Miller, no, 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 no. Mm. You, you're thinking the fun version. I'm, you want like the like the dark, <coughs> yeah, version like, of like what could really explore the mythology that they've invented? Taylor Sheridan, the writer of Hell or High Water and Sicario. They could, yeah, sort of like a really yeah. gritty, super violent spy th- movie. Yeah, and I think it's got to be like you know, like you know, actually like about a country band this time. Mm. So he's a uh, he's got that fit for it. I'm actually not a big fan. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't like his movies. Either, I don't. Yeah. I think I think he's actually kind of crap. But like, I think if he like tried to apply his like I'm going to take this shit way too seriously approach, mm. even though literally what I'm writing is you know kind of cliched and, and hack. <laughs> um, but like a really good director can make it mm. seem important. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, the, the the mission they're going on is like of of dubious ethical importance, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, well, you have to investigate this this guy who's really a bad guy. Well, is he really a bad guy, or is he just your enemy? You know, are we yeah. your Aaron? Boy Mr. Socrates really is actually like working for some sort of private corporate interest or something. Yeah, and it's they have like no they're, they're, they're killing off yeah, all the corporate enemies and yeah, all, all under the guise of espionage. But yeah, and, mm-hmm. and and of course they're murdering people. Oh yeah, they would have to kill people. Oh, Wally's but, the first. 
to go. Well, he's is the no, well, he's no, the I mean, second I mean, official I mean, martyr. Butch, you know, Fred, Daphne, Daphne, and Shaggy have to start actually like killing people, and there's oh, like a scene where. Yeah. Yeah, or like Butch actually like strangles somebody with his bare hands right at the beginning of the movie. Just to, and uh, Elvis bites someone's throat out like in like one of the yeah yeah Elvis like in that is trailer like, yeah, like this for vicious John Wick and he's got like a robot sticking out of his brain like it's like he's under con- like government control. That that's why that's why Socrates is allergic. They kind of share a consciousness. Ooh, yeah, like like a bit of Mr. Socrates' consciousness is in. Uh, Elvis's brain. Now that's what I call head cannon. <laughs> I want to stick my head in a cannon. Yeah. God <laughs> damn you for picking this show. This, why did you do this? Look, what was your idea? What was your thought? Because I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But like, what was well, here's, your? Here's the thing with, with Hanna Barbera. You know, they're they're all based on these really weird, outrageous ideas. And when you watch the show, they suck. Yes. But occasionally. You would hope that the the premise would be so odd that you'd kind of walk away a little bit happily delirious. I think that happened with the Thing Ring. Okay, the yeah. Thing had some admittedly like there's some near it, surreal elements about I'll, the, the I'll give, Thing. The Thing is yeah. so damn weird; it's at least notable. Yeah, yeah, and this is I read the description about this like teenage band of super sleuths that works for an intelligent computer and they globe trek and solve crimes. It's like, okay, that's just weird enough. I got to give this a try. And now I did. And I'm stronger for it. <laughs> well, uh, in exchange uh-huh. for sitting through Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, next week uh, we're going to be watching another <laughs> failed television series inspired by Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. But this one's actually a direct... Spinoff. Mm. Uh, after the success of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, they decided to make a pilot episode for a television series mm-hmm. called Mrs. Sundance. <laughs> now, Starring Robert Redford in drag. No, not really. <laughs> uh, no, Mrs. Sundance uh, was a, a television series that was about uh, the girlfriend of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid uh, who survived them and then like went off with uh, a price on her head. So it's her mm. show now. It's her... She's the hero. Yeah. Um, they did a pilot. It got turned into a backdoor pilot, you know, movie of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were able to track it down. So we're going to be giving Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid a proper spinoff <laughs> episode of Cancel Too Soon uh, because A, this one sucked and B... Synergy. Like, when are we going to find a better time to do Mrs. Sundance from the 1974, if memory serves? Uh, so that'll be coming up, uh, actually, probably later this week, because this episode was a little late. Hmm. Um, and um, it's good stuff. Hmm. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter at CancelledCast. Cancelled is always spelled with one L. Hmm. You can listen to our other podcasts, Critically Acclaimed and The Two Shot, over on the Schmoes No podcast feed wherever fine podcasts are podcasted mm-hmm. <laughs> um you can also check us out on patreon patreon.com slash canceled too soon uh for exclusive content we got some new stuff coming up hopefully very soon it's been a busy couple of weeks but we need to catch up a little bit um and uh to all of our patrons we thank you we appreciate you you really do keep the show alive because we could not prioritize mainlining butch cassidy and the sundance kid <laughs> if kids plural kids mm. why do you remind me 
<laughs> because there, there's a difference. That one letter makes all the difference. The important thing, if somebody the important said, thing is, without our patrons, yeah. we couldn't keep doing this. So we really thank you a lot, and we hope you enjoyed this episode because we didn't. <laughs> this one hurt. Yeah, you know what? They can't all be winners. No. In fact, sometimes we have to remind ourselves. Just how deep this trench we're living in is. Well, the whole point of the show is all of our shows are losers. Even if they're good, they lost. (laughs) They're lost to time. (laughs) They're lost to time. They lost the ratings. They lost the audience. This isn't just a, this got canceled. This is a, how did this happen? Why are you? Why are you a thing? So uh, from Whitney Seibold, myself, and all the substandard mandrills, uh, we just want to say thank you again for listening. That is a wrap. We'll see you next season. Thank you.